This week on Geek Explained, we kick off volume six of the podcast with an annual tradition as I count down the top five comics you should be reading in 2023. <laughs> Welcome back to Geek Explained, and welcome to Volume 6. This is the sixth season of the podcast, which is kind of crazy to think about. Uh, I am your host, Eric Azana, and today's episode is an annual tradition. Every single year, I count down the top five comics you should be reading, and I'm going to let you know right off the bat, this list was incredibly difficult to put together because there are a lot of great comics that you can go and pick up, whether you pick them up at your local comic book shop or whether you buy them digitally. There are a lot of reasons to be reading comic books, and we're going to be getting into just a few of them here in this episode. Thanks to everyone as well for their patience in the uh, mid in the season break, I guess, between uh, Volume 5 and Volume 6. I figured at this point I need kind of a recharge between seasons, and it is immensely helpful even to get just a couple weeks off. But right back here on the Wednesday show, we'll be doing this every single week going forward for the foreseeable future into... Uh, some pretty exciting stuff. I've got some really, really cool stuff planned for this upcoming season of the podcast, and I hope you will join me here for that. But uh, there are some things to catch up on in the last couple of weeks, some things I do want to give my thoughts on. Uh, we got a couple big trailers, uh, real, actually just in the past week. <laughs> um, First off, that Across the Spider-Verse trailer. Uh, oh my god, it looks fantastic. I'm really excited to see more of it. It It's interesting to me because the, the trailer kind of posits a different story than I was expecting to get. Uh, this one seems to be centered around Miles trying to change his destiny and trying to avert the trope that Spider-Man is born out of tragedy. Maybe his dad dies and he's trying to figure out a way to stop that from happening. Uh, fascinating. I think that's really, really cool and continues on the very personal story of Into the Spider-Verse. So I'm really excited to see that. Uh, Miguel O'Hara, Spider-Man 2099, looks freaking terrifying. And we got to see May Day. Oh, man, that just makes me really happy. Just makes me just makes me smile, is, is, is all, that, all that did. Uh, we also got a really great trailer for Blue Beetle which I am actually really hyped about. Uh, it does feel like a film that would have come out in like the late 2010s, but not in like a Morbius or Black Adam kind of way. It looks really fun. I'm excited. I didn't realize that, um, uh, what was his, what is his name? Um, George... Oh, uh, George Lopez was going to be in this movie. <laughs> so seeing him, I was like, oh, okay, great. Uh, but yeah, it looks like a ton of fun. And uh, Blue Beetle made a Buster Sword. So, of course, I'm going to show up for that. Um, we also, as I am recording this, are hotly anticipating a trailer for the Barbie movie, which is coming out soon. Um, 
yeah looks i've seen i mean from what we've seen looks like a barbie movie um but we got a few other pieces of news uh in this kind of interim break uh the first season of the last of us wrapped up which i absolutely adored every single episode was just in freaking credible i just i just I, I loved it i loved it i loved it um but yeah, I think that's off the top of my head, all the stuff that I can think about to talk about. Um, I think I'll be doing this every week, just kind of not doing like a dedicated news uh, segment because just keeping up with that is a lot. And this isn't what I would call a news podcast, but I will start every week from probably going forward, uh, just chatting about stuff that I'm interested in, stuff that I, you know, want to kind of give my reaction to. And um, yeah, so hope you enjoyed that. But we have uh, on the docket, as I said before, the top five comics you should be reading in 2023. We also have the weekly review, probably a fairly large weekly review for the last, what was it, three or four episodes of The Flash. Uh, there's a lot to catch up on, so we've got that in store. And of course, we have this week's Comics Countdown, where I'll chat you up about all the comics you should be picking up this week. So stay tuned after the jump for that. But for now, let's roll right right on into the main event, the main course, the entree, if you will, as I count down the top five comics you should be reading in 2023. It's that time of year again, the time when I count down my top five comics you should be reading in 2023. We kick off every volume of the podcast with this episode, and it's always really fun for me to put this list together, though as I stated earlier, it was very difficult to put this list together, much less to organize them into a top five, so much so that I have made some changes. That's right. Right, this time around, as in addition to the top five comics you should be reading, I'm going to be giving you three honorable mentions as well as three unreleased books that you should be looking forward to as the year rolls on. I think there's so much to be excited about when it comes to comic books right now that I couldn't just contain it to five picks. So uh, this is kind of my, my compromise instead of just throwing a hundred different books at you because we'd be here all day longer than you know we're gonna be here because you know I'm, I, I, I like to ramble but I am very excited to share these with you so without further ado let's dive into this so this is how it's going to work. I'm going to give you the honorable mentions first, then the unreleased books, and then we're going to dive into the five that you should be reading. I'll be giving you the creative teams, why you should be excited about them, and where and when you can pick up the next issue. So... Diving into the honorable mentions, these are three books that I think you should absolutely be checking out anytime they show up in the pull list. First things first, Dead Boy Detectives, written by Pornsock Pachetchot with art by Jeff Stokely. Uh, this book is just fun. It's fun. It's got a 
wonderful blend of mystery and horror. Uh, Pornsak Pachet Show, the writer of The Good Asian, critically acclaimed, won an Eisner, and is now being turned into a TV series. Really excited to see what they do with that. Uh, we also had Pachet Show on the podcast for our inaugural in December event. So if you want to go check that out, if you haven't listened to it already, had a wonderful conversation with him. Uh, this is really, really cool. It involves a lot of different uh, styles of horror, though it is based heavily in Thai horror, which I didn't have a really great grasp on before reading the book, but it's so, so good. If you are interested at all in ghost stories, in horror, in detective stories, this is going to be a book for you. Its next issue drops on April 25th, and it's going to be issue number five. Next up in honorable mentions, we've got Spider-Man. This is written by Dan Slott with art by Mark Bagley. This is, so far, has been the end of the Spider-Verse, as Dan Slott has set out to end the thing that he had created back when he was the main writer on the Amazing Spider-Man book. Uh, But this book's been really, really fun. Combining two of the best creators that have worked on Spider-Man and... Just letting them cook and tell a bonkers multiverse Spider-Verse story has been delightful. I love Mark Bagley's work, and he gets to flex his muscles, drawing as many Spider-Men and women as there can be. And we've also got new Spider-People that are introduced. Uh, We get... Oh my god, this wonderful Silk issue. You know the one that I'm talking about, uh, if you've been reading the series, but... As we are uh, talking about this, as I'm recording this, we're going to be getting, I believe, the final issue for this current arc today. So go pick that up. Go catch up on the previous issues. You will not be disappointed. I promise you that. We also have Immortal X-Men. This is written by Kieran Gillen with art by Lucas Wernick. And the X-Books are just the best. (laughs) Uh, The X-Office has been on fire for a really long time, and there is a reason for it. Uh, Kieran Gillen and Al Ewing and the rest of the X-Office have taken up the torch from Jonathan Hickman and have been absolutely running it. We've got the Fall of X, which is coming up really, really soon and is kind of terrifying to think about, but... Immortal X-Men has been uh, focused primarily on the Quiet Council and all the dealings in there. It's been a very um, sinister, heavy book, which is why it's kind of sitting in the honorable mentions because it's on hold right now while the Sins of Sinister thing is going on. We also don't know if the book is ending, right? The Fall of X announced the lineup, and Immortal X-Men is on there, but we don't have any solicits past issue 12 so i'm a little worried about that but we'll just have to see uh the next issue that is coming out though is issue number 11 which will be dropping the first week of may on may 3rd so that is the honorable mentions wonderful books all around but just got eked out of the top five now next up we have three books that i really do want to spotlight even though they are not out yet because i think they are going to end up being three of the best books of the year First up, we have Spirit World. This is written by Alyssa Wong with art by Haining. Uh, This is a book that I have been waiting for. This is a book that I am very excited about. Um, This is part of a big initiative from DC Comics to introduce a bunch more Asian heroes in comics, and I'm very excited about this. 
Oh my god. Um, are you interested in Cassandra Kane? Are you interested in spirits and ghost stories? Are you interested in giant swords? Well, this book is going to be for you. This book is actually going to be featuring a brand new hero in the form of Xanthi, who is just the coolest. They are basically a guardian and a... I guess, a uh, bridge between the material realm and the spirit realm. And unfortunately, a little thing happened, and now they are trying to direct Cassandra Kane back from being trapped in the spirit world. So they're going to be dealing with their own problems on the material plane. Cassandra Kane is going to be in the spirit world trying to escape. It is very, very exciting. I'm super stoked. Uh, this feels like a Final Fantasy book, and I'm very excited about the prospect of that. So that is going to be dropping its first issue on May 9th, and I am super stoked, and I think you should be really excited for it as well. Next up, we have Shazam! This is going to be written by the just chef's kiss team of Mark Wade and Dan Mora. Now, I do have to preface this with the fact that we have a very large problem, and that is the Mary Marvel problem, that this book should be about Mary. Uh, she is going to be featured in the book, but she is not, as the uh, miniseries stated, the new champion of Shazam anymore. Billy is taking the reins back, which makes me really sad, because we only got four issues with Mary as the new champion, and now it's back to Billy. Uh, it's It's... You know, it, it feels icky just because I think Mary had a lot more gas in the tank and I feel like we need to move that forward. I love Billy. I love the, I guess, the, the legacy that he's established as the champion of Shazam, but I felt like it was time for some new blood and Mary has been part of that mythos for decades and deserves to run with the ball. Unknown exactly what's going to happen with it, but uh, I trust in Wade Mora, so I will be picking this up. It's going to be a great ride nonetheless. Uh, that's going to be dropping uh, May 2nd, and our final unreleased book is Guardians of the Galaxy. This is written by the hive mind of Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly with art by Kev Walker. Uh, this is the first Guardians book that we've had since the Al Ewing run ended, and I am... Really excited about this. Uh, we're getting a brand new status quo. We don't know exactly what is going on, but we know that Groot Fall has come, and this is going to be a space western, which you know I am always into. I love Kev Walker's art. I love the hive mind. Everything that they've been putting out has been just incredible, and I think that team is going to be really, really fun to watch from month to month to see how the story grows and how they put their personal stamp on the Guardians mythos. That's going to be dropping, gosh, next week, April 12th. I am really stoked. Cannot wait to pick this up. But that is our first two categories out of the way. All of those books are worth merit, worth mentioning, but they are not in the top five. So let's count these down. The top five comics that you should be reading that if you are going to a your local comic book shop for the first time, you say, I want these books on my pull list. First off, at number five, we have Superman. This is written by Joshua Williamson, art by Jamal Campbell. Synopsis for the series goes like this. It's the dawn of DC. 
Superman has returned to Metropolis, and his greatest enemy, Lex Luthor, is finally behind bars. The future of the Superman family has never been brighter. As Clark Kent settles back into his life, iconic and new enemies erupt from the shadows to strike down the Man of Steel. But waiting in the wings to back up Big Blue is... Supercore? What secret project has Lex given to Superman? Now, this features, uh, this is more or less, I guess, the flagship book of the Dawn of DC, uh, with the big proclamation that Superman is back. Uh, he is returned from his sojourn into War World with a lot of new status quo changes. Uh, the secret identity is back. Lex Luthor is back to tormenting Superman, though this time in a very different way. Uh, Supercore is really, really interesting. Uh, if you haven't picked up the first issue, I won't spoil it for you, but it is a it's a fascinating concept that i cannot wait to see them expand upon the book itself very based around the kind of vibes that you would get from the original animated series they even have a panel in the first issue that just rips blatantly from the art style of the animated series but i am really really excited about the super books which i you know as a whole across the line have not been able to say in a little while and the main reason is because all of the Super Family books feel important again. All the books that we've got so far, Action Comics, Superman, um, Adventures of Superman, is, are, ah, man, they're just, they're really cool, right? All three of them are different books, very different books from each other. Uh, Action Comics right now is a Superman family-focused book with three uh I don't want to say anthology stories because they're all like happening around, well, maybe not at the same time, but they're all in continuity. Um, but it's three separate stories going on right now, all of them focused on different uh, aspects of the Superman family. Uh, Adventures of Superman features our boy Jonathan Kent going into the multiverse and being the Superman of the multiverse. And Superman is kind of the flagship back-to-basic Superman just being a hero and doing super things. The art by Jamal Campbell is incredible. I have been singing Jamal Campbell's praises since Farce sector and i am very pleased to report that his art has only gotten better uh i i think the combination of williamson and campbell is a really really great recipe for success um it's it's just really exciting to be excited about superman books again um my favorite issue slash story so far has got to be the first issue the first issue just sets up everything that we need to know sets the general vibe the art is immaculate superman's in intro to that issue is impeccable and com and campbell's art once again just it, it's breathtaking it really really is uh i like the new status quo that they have for specific characters lois is now uh editor-in-chief at the daily planet which is really fun superman having his secret identity back i've been shouting into the void about how we needed to bring that back and it's back and i'm very very happy about that and we've got lex luthor doing his thing behind the scenes pulling strings and i am i'm i'm very interested to see where we go from here the reason that it is way back at number five is because it is still very early on in its run the first two issues are the only issues that are out and the next issue comes out in two weeks on april 18th and that is going to be issue number three 
but that means it's very, very possible that you can pick up the first two issues, get caught up, and be ready when that third issue drops on April 18th. I love Superman. You know how much I love Superman, and I'm very excited to see where the story goes. I'm really happy to be excited about Superman comics. I've been excited about Superman comics here and there throughout the last couple of years, and I've talked about it on the podcast, but having just kind of this blanket sweep of three very different Superman comics that are all featuring different stories and different characters, it just makes me real happy, and it fills my heart. So I am very excited, and that is why it is sitting at number five. At number four, we have the flash now y'all know how much i have been loving the flash written by jeremy adams the current uh one minute war arc has been uh featuring art by roger cruz and fernando pazarin it's just so freaking good let's get into the synopsis let's talk about the synopsis Leaving past mistakes behind and racing into the future, Wally West returns as Central City's Scarlet Speedster. Now now reunited with his wife Linda and their two children, the former Kid Flash begins a new chapter in his life. But Wally quickly remembers that saving lives and fighting supervillains may make him a hero, but they don't pay the bills. Luckily, an old friend may have just the right job for this blue-collar champion. This is the Flash family book. This is everything that I've been wanting in a Flash book. This is everything that a lot of people have been wanting in a Spider-Man book, where you've got a kind of hapless sap, a hapless hero, a lovable loser as your main protagonist, just trying to make ends meet while trying to be a superhero as well. Wally, Linda... Irie, Jay, they just, they're all the best, and I love seeing them together. It's just really nice. Um, It was wonderful following everything that happened to have Wally taking center stage again as the Flash, and he has been the Flash for a few years now. It's really, I mean, we haven't had Wally take center stage in... Not just the 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 Flash books, but in the DC universe for a really long time. Whenever the Flash shows up now, odds are it's probably Wally. And that's really exciting for those of us who grew up with Wally as the Flash. But also, for those of us who did grow up with Wally as the Flash and are now in their 30s, now Wally feels like more relevant of a character than he ever has. And I have absolutely been loving this book. I've been singing its praises for a really long time now. Uh, If you missed it, the episode where we did an interview with Jeremy Adams is still up. It's in the archives. Go check back. I believe it was around January time. Um... It's just really cool. Jeremy Adams, a fellow former Tucsonan, and a also fellow big wrestling fan. So it was wonderful to chat with him. And this was right around the time that One Minute War kicked off. And One Minute War is this big Flash event. Jeremy's biggest event that he's done in the Flash books so far. And it has been an absolute pleasure to read. It's been a wild ride, a roller coaster of things from tragedy to triumph, and I've been absolutely loving One Minute War so far, and I believe this week is going to be uh, rounding out the end of this. The next issue is 796, which drops 
today as you're listening to this. If you're listening to this in the future, it was April 4th, 2023. Uh, but I do believe that this concludes One Minute War, and we've still got several issues to go left. Um, Jeremy Adams, like I said, has been absolutely crushing it. He gets Wally. He loves Wally. He loves the family aspect of this book as a father himself, and it just, it shows in the writing. Uh, the cavalcade of different artists that he's been able to work with have been amazing from arc to arc. It's just been a murder's row of wonderful artists who have put their heart and soul into this, and Roger Cruz has been doing the Lord's work in this one-minute war juggling basically every speedster available in the DC universe to tell this story. Uh, my favorite story slash issue so far, uh, the 2022 annual is an amazing love story between Wally and Linda that I will never get over, I don't think. And a really quick honorable mention to issue 787, which is the pro wrestling issue, because of course I had to mention it. Mega Obam man is just he's 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 the best he's the best and I want to see more of him. Um, the reason that it is further back is because we did get the announcement that after issue eight hundred, which is just four issues from now, uh, Jeremy Adams is going to be leaving the book and it and Flash will be getting a brand new creative team. No, you know disrespect to them, but. Adam's run really was my favorite Flash run in a very long time, and I, I'm i very sad about it. I think it's unfortunate. You could tell that he had a lot more plans for the event and for the book to come, but... Fortunately, he is going to be continuing on in the Green Lantern book, which is really exciting. I just, I feel like there, again, was still more gas in the tank for uh, for Jeremy Adams writing The Flash. But we have the run that we've had up so far. We've got One Minute War, which wraps up today. And we still have four more action-packed issues, including that gigantic 800 celebration issue, so I'm very excited about that, and The Flash will always have my heart. At number three, we have Nightwing. Nightwing has been on the list pretty much ever since Tom Taylor and Bruno Redondo took over the book, and uh, it is continuing here. This is one of my favorite books to pick up every month. I absolutely adore it. Uh, the synopsis for this current uh, era, I guess, this current arc of the Nightwing book, because I feel like every single year I put it on, I give you the same synopsis, so I'm just going to give you the most recent kickoff synopsis, it goes like this. After the events of Dark Crisis, Superman has a talk with Nightwing, letting him know that now is Dick's time to lead. So Nightwing gathers a group of friends to be the Premier League in the DC Universe and moves their base of operations to Bloodhaven. Meet the new Titans. Nightwing, following the events of Dark Crisis, is now the center of the new DCU. Uh, Superman is kind of the flagship, which I think is really exciting, but Nightwing seems like the center of all of DC Comics, and I'm really stoked about that. I've talked about this before. Dick Grayson is the most important character in the entire history of DC Comics, and I will stand by that until the day that this mortal coil leaves, my, uh, leaves this Earth. But... Seeing him played up to be that, seeing him positioned as this center of the DCU is really exciting. Uh, the book itself has had this consistent quality since the 
creative team got onto the book all the way up till now, there is never an issue that I've been like, oh, well, that just feels like a real bad, you know, outlier in this really great run. It's all been fantastic. Uh, Taylor and Redondo are just a magic team together. Taylor is one of my favorite writers in comics. Uh, Bruno Redondo, one of the greatest artists, I think, of the medium. Some of the things that he experiments with, including an issue that is going to be coming up that I'm really excited about, has been wonderful. I've talked last year about the one-take issue, which is... Just the coolest thing. Uh, I I really dig everything that they do in this book. And bringing in now that we've gotten past the blockbuster era of the book. And now we are heading into a brand new day. F- not that one. For, <laughs> for Nightwing and his compatriots moving Titan's Tower to Bloodhaven and kind of setting up the Titans as the premier DC team now that there is no Justice League. That book is also coming out soon. Tom Taylor, Nicholas Scott, really excited about that. It brings a whole new dimension and a whole, do- whole new dynamic for Nightwing and for the rest of his generation. Wonder Girl, Starfire, Gar, Cyborg, Raven, Wally West, for God's sake. I'm kind of sad that we don't have, like, Aqualad or Arsenal, but they're they're off doing their own things. At least Arsenal is. I don't know what's going on with, uh, with Garth. But either way, uh, I'm really excited to see them take center stage. I'm really excited to see them be the premier heroes. Sink or swim, this is, they're getting their shot. Which is more than we can say about a lot of characters who deserve a shot and are not getting it. Um, I I just I love I love this book. It's a wonderful celebration of DC Comics' most important character, and I will continue to shout from the mountaintops how good this book is. Uh, my favorite story slash issues so far: Nightwing 100 was a wonderful celebration of the character, bringing back a bunch of different artists, bringing back a bunch of different characters and ideas from Nightwing's past, and setting up the brand new status quo going forward. The next issue is issue 103, coming out on April. April 18th, so keep your eyes out for that. Uh, Bruno Redondo is going to be doing another experimental issue like he did with the one take where it is going to be completely from Nightwing's perspective. I want to say we've had an issue like this before from someone, but if not, again, breaking new ground. Really, really excited. Can't wait to pick that up. And of course, you knew that Nightwing was going to be on this list, and it sits comfortably at number three. At number two, this one's going to be kind of cheating. It's Captain America. Both of them. Both Captain America books. They're incredible. They tell an interweaving story. It might be cheating, but I don't care. This is my list, my podcast. So both Captain America books are sitting at number two. Uh, The first of which, Sentinel of Liberty, is focused on Steve Rogers. It's written by Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly, the hive mind on the list once again, uh, with art by the impeccable Carmen Carnero. The synopsis for the series goes like this. The shield isn't what you think. It's not your symbol. It's theirs. The shield is one of the most iconic images in the world. It stands for hope, justice, and the protection of the innocent. It also holds a secret, undiscovered until now. 
that will change the way Steve Rogers views the 20th century and how he chooses to fight in the 21st. And the other book is Symbol of Truth, which focuses on Sam Wilson, the MCU's Captain America, and just just the coolest Captain America. Uh, it's written by Tochi Onyabuchi with art by Arby Silva. Synopsis goes like this. Captain America soars again. Sam Wilson picks up the shield once more and enters a world of trouble. Following a lead from Misty Knight, Sam intercepts a mysterious group hijacking what appears to be an empty train. As he digs deeper, he discovers that the plot may be connected to a crucial piece of Captain America history and, surprisingly, Wakanda. The world is ready for two Captain Americas, but is Sam Wilson ready for what comes next? I love both these books. I've been talking about it since both of them began. They have been absolutely wonderful. They are a highlight every single time they come out. And what's wonderful about having both of these books is that we have Captain America's both at home and abroad. Uh, The Sentinel of Liberty book deals with a lot of U.S. interest, uh, a lot of political gaming, and a lot of... um, A lot of history, which is really uh, steeped in Steve Rogers, obviously, where I feel like um, Sam Wilson's book is more abroad. It's more, he's more Captain America for the world, and he's dealing with, you know, international relations and dealing with all the politics that come with that. Um, Both are action-packed. Both are really, really fun. Uh, Steve Rogers' book if I had to pitch it, is National Treasure meets Mission Impossible. Uh, As the synopsis stated, the tease of there being this history behind not just the concept of the shield, but the design of it is really interesting. Introducing the Centuries game, all of the different players in that, uh, Bucky Barnes' role in all of this, the Redacted. Right now, they're dealing with the invasion of New York. It is bombastic Captain America action, while on the flip side, the Sam Wilson book is political intrigue and blockbuster action. This is dealing with all of the espionage and uh, political intrigue of any great spy thriller while combining that with the blockbuster action that we are used to seeing in the MCU. Uh, The Wilson book, I would say, is closer to what you would expect from, like, the Falcon and Winter Soldier series, which I absolutely loved, and dealing with international relations, dealing with Wakanda, dealing with the return of the White Wolf, and dealing with all of that. It's just, it's amazing, and they just uh the current uh arc for the sam wilson book i believe just wrapped or is wrapping um leading into what is going to be coming next uh which i will talk about in just a second but both of those books have been on fire since captain america zero since the jump both of them have been firing on all cylinders and i've been absolutely loving them and the thing that has been great about both books is that both books have gorgeous art rb silva caught my eye back in Hawkspox and has had a hold on me ever since and his work in the sam wilson symbol of truth book has been absolutely incredible dealing with different cultures dealing with all of the just rotating cast of characters in that book and handling them all with grace and wonderful page layouts it's just incredible to see 
how consistent his work is across several different projects. And then Carmen Carnero in the Steve Rogers Sentinel of Liberty book has just... <sighs> incredible. Incredible. Just a, just a toast to everyone for Carmen Carnero. Um, Carmen Carnero, I had never, uh, I wasn't familiar with her work prior to the, uh, to the Sentinel of Liberty book, but anything that Carmen Carnero is on now, I will pick up day one because she is next level. I absolutely adore the stuff that she's been doing in that book. Um, three words, her Emma Frost, enough said, okay, that's it. It's okay. Uh, she also plays a little around with the uh, with the page layouts and the formatting of uh, that book as well. And both books have such a distinct visual uh, style and visual dynamic, but they also feel like they are fitting within the same overarching narrative, which is really really cool. And what's great about both of these books, as amazing as they've been as standalone stories is that they are interconnected and leading into a big event. All roads lead to Cold War. The Cold War event is the first big event and crossover between both of these books. It's going to be dealing with the Centuries game. It's going to be dealing with uh, all of the international relations that uh, the Sam Wilson book has been dealing with. It's going to be bringing Steve face-to-face with his son, Ian. Ian, who returned to the Sam Wilson book. I love it so much. Um, A lot of stuff. A lot of plates are spinning to get these books together, and I'm very, very excited. Uh, My favorite story slash issue so far for each of these books books a sentinel of liberty the invader issue 7 through 11 i mean it's incredible it's incredible it starts off showing us namor action and just gets more amazing from there uh the symbol of truth my favorite so far has been pax mahanda issues 6 through 11 that arc just wrapped up um incredible dealing with uh domestic terrorism dealing with the idea that Captain America isn't really welcome everywhere and dealing with all of that uh it's just it's it's amazing I love it so much uh the next issues that are coming out Sentinel of Liberty issue number 11 is coming out today and that is going to wrap up the invader storyline uh the next symbol of truth is going to be issue 12 on April 26th so both books after issue 11 are going to be going into the Cold War. So that is also dropping this month. So keep an eye out because that is going to be incredible. I've loved the Captain America books. I have adored them. I knew that they were going to be special when they were announced. And they have blown every expectation that I had out of the water. But they just narrowly miss out on the top spot this year because you know what book is in the top spot. You have noticed that there is a book that I haven't mentioned. I'm sure you have noticed that there is a book that I rave about every single month when it comes out that hasn't made its appearance. And of course, at the number one spot is Batman Superman World's Finest. Written by Mark Wade, art by Dan Mora. Synopsis goes like this. The Dark Knight the Man of Steel. They are the two finest superheroes that the world has ever known, and they're together again in an epic new series from the legendary talents of Mark Wade and Dan Mora. 
In the not-too-distant past, Superman's powers are supercharged from a devastating chemical attack by the villain Metallo, and the only ally that the ultra-powerful Man of Tomorrow can turn to in this turbulent hour is Gotham's own dark vengeance, the Batman. A nearly fatal burst of power drives Bruce Wayne to his own extreme measures to help his friend, enlisting none other than the Doom Patrol for aid. It's the world's greatest superheroes from the world's greatest comic book talent in an epic comic book experience that kicks off the next big events in the DCU. Get ready, it's time to soar. I, to the frickin' love that tagline, it's time to soar. Uh, But this is the best DC comic around. Period, bar none, the best ongoing comic that DC has been putting out since it began. Uh, I already touched on them before, but the creative team of Mark Wade and Dan Mora is, it, it, it's almost unfair. <laughs> it's almost unfair how good they are together. Mark Wade is my favorite comic book writer of all time. I will never pass up a chance to talk about how much I love his work. And Dan Mora might just be the best artist that is in comics right now. Uh, Showing up basically out of nowhere and just getting better every single time I read a book from him. uh, It's incredible. And that's why I do have high hopes for that Shazam book. It's because of this. It's because of how good this book has been. Uh, This is the Silver Age. This is a cross between a love for the Silver Age with the modern sensibilities of the current age of story storytelling it's mixing those two putting them in a blender and just letting them hum and it's it's wonderful obviously it mentions in the synopsis not too distant past so it takes place earlier on in the dc timeline dick grayson is still robin kara is still relatively new in her role as supergirl and we've got a younger Batman and Superman who still are feeling things out for not just the DC universe, but also their friendship and their partnership. And it's really, really good. And because it is set in the past, it gets to set up a lot of the current stuff that's going on in the DCU. Uh, this most recent Lazarus Planet event was basically set up in the opening arc of this book and wade has been very hands-on with helping to steer the ship into this new dawn of dc era and i am really excited to see him continuing on to shift the tides and guide us to where we're going next because obviously Williamson is kind of the point man for what's going on with Dawn of DC but Wade has had a hand on DC like he hasn't had in a while and I, that that just makes me really excited um it's a wonderful book that is literally for everybody if you are a fan a longtime reader this is a book for you if you have never read comic books before but know who the characters are This is the book for you. If you are wanting to know what's currently going on in the DC universe, this is the book for you. If you have no basis and you just want a really great, fun story that's great for all ages and all audiences, this is the book for you. Great comic storytelling, a wonderful creative team, the best characters. We have the Doom Patrol popping up in the first couple of issues of this run. Just, just, what more do you want? It's got a great handle on the characters, on the world. You get to see, once again, a younger DC universe, which means you get to see all of these characters uh, at an earlier stage, so it's not inherently beholden to continuity. It does feed into stuff that happens later, but all of the issues so far have been 
straight up just on their own timeline so you don't have to catch up with everything else that's going on it's just wonderful storytelling a great run that i hope goes on for a really really long time uh, my favorite story slash issue so far the opening arc the devil neza uh issues one through five top tier storytelling top tier storytelling that does not force you to know literally anything about anything that's going on currently in the DC Comics space. Uh, it's just five issues of wonderful superhero punch kickery. It's just, it's a good book. I don't know how else to describe it. I, I love this book. Uh, it's been my favorite DC comic for a very long time now, and hopefully it's going to be my favorite DC comic for a long time going forward. The next issue you can pick up is issue number 14. It's going to be on April 18th, though I would recommend going and picking up the first 13 issues because this is a book that you are going to be obsessed with immediately once you pick up the first issue it is so freaking good again the writing the art the storytelling the characters the narrative everything is firing on all cylinders and it is my favorite book and it is the best book for you to pick up in 2023 so that does it that does our top five with our new format the unreleased the honorable mentions as well as our top five i just gave you 11 comics to be really excited about to read in this year like i said before the amount of comics that are on the shelves might be more than i mean we've ever seen and the amount of really great comics is up there with the best periods of comic book storytelling. And I cannot wait to see where 2023 takes us in the realm of comic books. My name is Barry Allen, and I am the fastest man alive. When I was a child, I saw my mother killed by something impossible. My father went to prison for her murder. Then an accident made me the impossible. To the outside world, I'm an ordinary forensic scientist. But secretly, I use my speed to fight crime and find others like me. And one day, I'll find who killed my mother and get justice for my father. I am the Flash. It is now time for the weekly review. This is the segment of our show where I review something weekly. And right now we are reviewing episodes 5, 6, and 7 of the final season of The Flash. That's right. When I take time off, this is the consequence. Damn the consequences of my actions. Uh, we do have three episodes to catch up on. Uh, and it's, it's really funny the way that worked out because we, uh, we went on our, uh, between season break right in the middle of a two-parter <laughs> which uh which which was unfortunate but i do get to talk about three episodes of this show and overall for the season i think i have been enjoying it there are things that i haven't loved uh mostly named mark but 
Uh, I do, I do think that overall it's been a strong showing for the final season so far, and we've still got episodes left. We've still got episodes to go. So let's get into this giant size weekly review and kick things off with episode five entitled The Mask of the Red Death Part. This is obviously the second part of the two-part Red Death finale, maybe, we don't know, Um, but this was, I think, a good good wrap-up for that first arc, right? The conclusion of this being that Barry has to face off with the Red Death and her rogues, and... All the while dealing with the uh, the revelation that the Red Death got her psychic-ish powers from Gorilla Grodd. I think it's interesting and really fun that they brought Grodd back and that they gave a bit of that the they gave a bit of resolution to the last time we saw him. Because last time we saw him, he got dropped off on another Earth that was supposed to be quote-unquote Gorilla City. But then he got there, and apparently none of the gorillas <laughs> were as, were as uh, psychically gifted as he was. Though the wording on it was really weird, because they were like, we're supposed to drop him off on a world of sentient gorillas, and none of them were sentient. And I'm like, Do you, did, 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 did the writers look up the definition of sentient? Because... All gorillas are sentient. They might not be like as intelligent as Grodd or have psychic powers like Grodd, but they're, I mean, all lives are sentient for the most part. But I, semantics aside, I thought that was really funny and I liked the, the full circle with Grodd. I liked bringing the absolute, like, what is it? The, the, Dusex Machina, or however you pronounce that. I know I pronounced that incorrectly, I'm pretty sure. Uh, of the, of Barry giving Grodd a little bit of the Speed Force, like, seasons and seasons ago. Of being like, no, 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 he could give it back to Barry. Uh, it's it's just comic booky uh bullshit, which I love. And I enjoyed seeing Grodd again. Um, unfortunately... We found out that Mark was not killed. He was still alive, so they did a, tried to do a little uh, little rescue mission, which did not go well. Uh, they do end up getting him out of there. Uh, Keon seems to be developing powers, and so she is able to revive him. Fine. Whatever, man. But we did see that... Uh, that Flash gets to fight Red Death, uh, Barry defeats Red Death, and Batwoman shows up, so we got double the Javisha Leslie, which was fun, and now Red Death is under Argus custody, and I can't see anything going wrong there. She definitely won't break out. Uh, We then see uh, that this was kind of also a a swan song and a send-off for Joe, uh, which I, I just didn't expect since we are in the final season. I just figured that if he was going to go out, it would be like with everybody else at the end of the season. But I guess not. I guess that's not the way things go. But it was interesting to see Joe, you know, decide, like, I need to leave. But you stay here, Cecile. Your contract's a little bit longer than mine. <laughs> so you stay here with our... And I'm going to take our daughter and I'm going to go move to the countryside. And you can come visit us on weekends. Um, cool. Great. 
Sure. Uh, but what we did get, which I'd been asking for, is we got the culmination of the Chester and Allegra romance. They are now together, so now we at least get them for half a season uh, just doing their relationship thing, which, spoiler alert, has been really nice uh, in the following episodes. Um, we also got the uh, the big bombshell that Kion could sense that uh, Iris was pregnant. And according to uh, Barry's book, O Facts, and his uh, personal sports almanac, isn't supposed to happen for three months, so they are ahead of schedule. And Iris is pregnant with their child. And that's how they wrapped up that first arc. First arc I thought was strong. There were definitely some things I didn't enjoy. Chill Blaine being one of them. But um, overall, I think it was a good way to kick off the final season. Then we went into the only thing that I can describe as a filler episode. Which was fine. Um... It's uh, episode six, the good, the bad, and the lucky, uh, brought the return of Rebecca Sharp, which was really fun. Uh, she was the meta that could mess with, um, uh, it best, basically mess with probability, mess with luck. Um, she's uh, portrayed by Stephanie Lynn Beard. I always had a really fun time with her whenever she would pop up earlier on in the uh in the series and it was fun to see them bring her back uh kind of like uh fuck, what was his name it's not, his name isn't hot streak but i keep calling him hot streak um let me just let me look it up um da, da, da. jocko jocko um it's cool that they are bringing in metas from earlier in the series to do you know, cameos to play roles. So this episode was about her basically losing her her luck and, you know, dealing with all of the... Th th this is, like I said, kind of a filler episode because <laughs> basically um, this is a Cecile and Allegra-focused episode trying to deal with uh, Rebecca and all of her, uh, all of her powers going on out of, you know, them being on the fritz. If I'm, if it sounds like I'm reaching for things to remember, it's because I am. This episode was not something that I would call super memorable. It was a come down from the, from the first, the conclusion of the first arc. Um, we did see that, that uh, Mark is now convinced that Keon has powers and they're like, oh, we gotta, you know, make sure this happens. And they have this tender little dance and then it snows in the lab. And so maybe she is, Maybe she's a meta too. We don't really know for sure. Um, but we did get to have a nice little baby shower for uh, for Barry and Iris who went away for an episode and then came back for this episode uh, at the end. Um, and then after doing some tests, we find out that uh, Kion is not actually a meta, nor is she human. She is something else. Someone else. Cue the arrow theme. Uh, but yeah, that was episode six. Not really anything to write home about. It was fine. But then we got episode seven. Wildest Dreams, which of course brings back our girl. Our girl is back, Nia Null. Oh my god, it's great to see Dreamer. Uh, it just, it, it makes my heart happy. I love Dreamer. She's wonderful. Um... 
So we got to see a Dreamer who's also experiencing some power fluctuations, which is interesting that they are coming back to that so soon after the previous episode. But she is looking for basically the key to unlock the next stage of her powers, which brings her to Iris because she has a dream where Iris dies. And so they get to deal with that all the while iris is dealing with the fact that uh her she doesn't want as we you know kind of touched on previously in the season uh she doesn't want her life to just go exactly how barry's book how barry's journal has stated it was going to go so i like that aspect and i like that she's struggling with that because she is struggling with what she has struggled with in a meta sense for the entire series which is purpose (laughs) she doesn't feel like she has autonomy and she was just following the narrative so i like that that's being brought in for her character and that's her arc for the series um the two of them also going through different uh scenarios of what iris's life could have been i thought was really fun and then we get um nia meeting the first neltorian who kicked off this entire lineage of the dreamer abilities and so they're able to unlock that and he is able to continue on and she gets the swan song and the send-off that she deserved that i don't think she really got in supergirl so i really enjoyed seeing that i love dreamer i'm glad that she's getting a second life in the comics and i'm glad that she got to have uh another big moment in an entire episode almost dedicated to her here uh we also got the b plot which is more chill blaine keown stuff but but this was the send-off this was the send-off we get. This was the send-off I've been asking for. Um, Mark is an asshole to Keon. Surprise, surprise. And then Keon gets mad at him finally. Which, thank God. And then Mark just goes off. He's like, I have to go work on myself. And I'm like, yes, go work on yourself. Get the hell out of here. Go home. Go away. And, again, no disrespect to the actor. The, just, the character has never worked. And the character didn't work when Frost was around. And he worked even less once Frost was uh, put on ice. Yeah. Yeah! Da, da. Uh, I, I am glad to see him go. I'm glad to see him go so we can focus on a tighter uh, group of characters. That Mark has served his pur- long past served his purpose, so he gets to leave. We get to explore more of Keon's stuff and see what exactly is going on with her. So that is three episodes worth of the weekly review. Uh, a a story of highs and lows, we'll say. Uh, like I said, Mask of Red Death Part Two, I thought was a strong conclusion to that first arc. Good, the bad, and the lucky was kind of a nothing episode. Uh, Wildest Dreams was a great Dreamer episode, but I'm excited to continue forward with Team Flash as we go into the next episodes. So that does it for this week's weekly review. Thank you for being patient as we caught up on all of this, and I'm excited to see where the back half of the season goes. But for now, let's roll right on into this week's Comics Countdown. 
Welcome back to this week's Comics Countdown for the week of April 5th, 2023, the first Comics Countdown of Volume 6. Uh, this is the segment of our show where I'll chat you up about all the comics you should be picking up this week, whether it's at your local comic book shop, a comicsology, or however you get your comics. These are the ones I think you should definitely take a look at. But before we get into this week's comics, we got to take a look back at last week's comics with the Geeks Plain Pick of the Week of last week. And it was tough because there were some great comics that dropped, but ultimately I chose Gotham City Year One Number Six, written by Tom King, art by Phil Hester. This book freaking rules. I cannot wait to pick up the inevitable hardcover that will be coming out alongside the hardcover of Supergirl Women of Tomorrow, which I'm still waiting on DC, but I digress. Uh, Gotham City Year One is a masterpiece. It is incredible. Detective Noir at its finest. The art by Phil Hester is impeccable. And as an origin story for the Gotham that we know, couldn't ask for better. But that's last week. This week, we've got eight books for you to check out. So let's go ahead and get into this. First off, we have Immoral X-Men number three. This is written by Kieran Gillen with art by Alessandro Vitti. And this is the conclusion of the Immoral X-Men miniseries as part of the Sins of Sinister event. This is taking place in year 1000. So let's go ahead and find out what's happened in the millennia since the beginning of the Sins of Sinister. The experiment ends. Year 1 was the start of the experiment. By year 10, it was filling a petri dish. By year 100, it had cracked the glass and spread across the desk. Now, it's been 1,000 years, and the lab is filled by the writhing, pulsing sins of Sinister, and all the lab staff have been devoured. Everyone is in hell. The upside? This includes Sinister. I I mean, it's a disgusting synopsis and a disgusting image, but it's apropos. It makes sense. Sinister has lost the plot. Everything has gone wrong. So I'm excited to see just how this uh, the story ends for Sinister. Next up, we have The Amazing Spider-Man, number 23. This is written by Zeb Wells with art by John Romita Jr. And this is continuing on the What Did Peter Do story. Uh, I don't know how to feel. Uh, we just got recently the update in that... Uh, in that Fall of X lineup that I mentioned earlier, we're getting the Uncanny Spider-Man, which I don't know how to feel about, and we have this tease that by the end of this arc, someone gonna die. So I don't know. We're gonna have to see what happens. Uh, let's dive into the synopsis. What did Peter do? We open this series with a question. The centerpiece of the answer is a flat-out fight. So we are going to find out, I'm assuming, in this issue what Peter did. Let's let's see what happens. Let's see if uh, Wells ends up sticking the landing. Next up, we have Batman number 134. This is written by Chip Zdarsky with art by Mike Hawthorne and Miguel Mendoncha. Uh, this is continuing on the Batman of Gotham story, where Batman is stranded in this alternate Earth where there was no Batman. So let's go ahead and dive into this synopsis. 
It's all-out war, as only Batman stands between Red Mask and a Gotham City full of bodies. How much is the Dark Knight willing to sacrifice to save this city? Uh, This also features part four of the Toy Box, the backup where Tim Drake is teaming up with Jonathan Kent, and I'm very excited about that. Um, This book has been fantastic, and I'm really excited to pick this up. Uh, Chip Zdarsky's been crushing it in the Batman book. Next up, we have Scarlet Witch number four. This is written by Steve Orlando with art by Sarah Pichelli, Pichelli Cinderella. I love this book. The first three issues have been incredible, and issue four is promising to continue on that streak. Let's dive into the synopsis. Battle for Blood. The Scarlet Witch's shopkeeper, Darcy Lewis, has a secret. And when the consequences of that secret result in the annihilation of Wanda's shop, Wanda Maximoff must choose between protecting her new life or saving her friends. Scarlet Witch faces Scythia, leader of the Bake, in a battle to answer the question, what does it mean to enact justice? I don't know if I said that word correctly, and I'm just going to roll with it. But yeah, Scarlet Witch has been fantastic. The first three issues were wonderful, and I have been interested to see what this Darcy Lewis uh, comic book version is hiding, and I can't wait to find out. Out. This is going to be a great book. Can't wait to pick this up. Next up, we have The Adventures of Superman, John Kent number two. This is written by Tom Taylor with art by Clayton Henry. I feel like it's been a while, right, since we've gotten the first issue. Maybe I'm crazy, but I am really excited to pick this up, especially after the incredible first issue we got. It's so freaking good. Having John, spoilers, meet the Earth 2 version of his mom, which got turned into Red Tornado and the Valzad of it all, I just, we're eating good. We're eating good, fans of the new 52 Earth 2. It's just so, so good. I love it so much. But let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis. Countdown to Injustice, Chapter 2, Out of the Volcano. Kal-El's across the multiverse are being murdered, and the culprit is the man who stole John Kent's childhood. John is joined by Earth 2 Superman Val Zod and a surprise third hero to try to stop Ultraman's killing spree. But when John comes face to face with a man who tortured him and kept him imprisoned, he discovers an even greater threat. I don't know who's this, who this third hero is. I'm assuming it's going to be the uh, Red Tornado Lois. But if we got a third super person, uh, it'd be pretty freaking cool. Wouldn't, wouldn't lie. I'm excited to see if that happens. But again, I love the concept of John Kent being the, su- the Superman of the multiverse. Cannot wait for this showdown with Ultraman. Next up, we have Spider-Man, number seven. This is written by Dan Slott with art by Mark Bagley. Um, I believe the next three books are books that are in our top five, so you know this is a great week to kick off volume six. Uh, Let's just dive into the synopsis. The End of the Spider-Verse, part seven, Spider-Genesis. The end of the Spider-Verse is here. Friends became enemies, enemies became friends, and now all of the Spider-Verse ends. Jessica Drew, gone. Peter Parker, gone. And they aren't the only ones erased by the sacred sting knife. How can Silk and the rest of the spiders win this spider war? 
We're apparently also going to be get be getting a brand new hero that is going to be taking center stage for the Spider-Man book going forward with this run. Dan Slott has been teasing it. I have no idea. I've been staying away from spoilers. I'm very, very excited to see what they come up with. Cannot wait to pick this up. Next up, we have The Flash, number 796. This is written by Jeremy Adams with art by Roger Cruz and Fernando Pazarin, as well as George Cam- Cambade. I uh, I can't wait. This is the conclusion of One Minute War. This is the One Minute War finale. All of our speedsters are here. They are going to be fighting the, uh, the fraction. <sighs> it's going to be great. It's going to be great. I can't wait. Let's go ahead and let's just let's get into this. The One Minute War finale. One more minute. It's the final moments of the One Minute War. Cornered by the evil Admiral Vell, the Flash family is on the edge of defeat, but some surprising allies give the speedsters one last chance to change the outcome of the war once and for all. This has been phenomenal. The event has felt big time. It's felt like a... It's, I hate to just use this basic ass framing, but it felt like a blockbuster event. And it's been incredible every step of the way. Every chapter has been wonderful. And I cannot wait to see how this story sticks the landing. And what I love about this cover, my boy Jay Garrick is front and center. We love to see it. I love to see it. Cannot wait to pick this up. But the big book of the week, the book I think you should absolutely be picking up, is Captain America, Sentinel of Liberty, number 11. Written by the Hive Mind, art by Carmen Carnero. (sighs) This is the conclusion of the Invader story. This is the last stop before we get to Cold War. I'm really excited. Let's dive into the synopsis. Prelude to Cold War. Captain America and the new invaders may be free from MODOK's mind control, but they are not yet guaranteed their lives. And with the battle nearly won, the Outer Circle have arrived on the ground to collect their prize. It's up to Steve Rogers to wrestle victory from the power and finally end the Outer Circle's invasion of Manhattan. But choices made at this critical point will alter Steve's understanding of friendship and the stakes of his fight against the Outer Circle for good. This will be continued in Captain America Cold War Alpha number one. And oh, I just love it so much. I love the concept of the Outer Circle. Each one directly getting a shot at Steve has been wonderful. And we've got the Bucky Barnes of it all. So I can't wait. This is going to be incredible. And what a great way to kick off volume six when it comes to the weekly, uh, to the comic book countdown. Uh, let's let's recap all these comics we got here. We've got Immoral X-Men number three, Amazing Spider-Man number 23, Batman number 134, Scarlet Witch number four, Adventures of Superman John Kent number two, Spider-Man number seven, The Flash number 796 and Captain America Sentinel of Liberty number 11. A blockbuster week of comic books, so make sure you get to your shop so you don't miss any of these amazing comics. 
And that is going to bring us to the wrap-up. If this is your first time joining us on the Geeksplain podcast and you like what I do here, feel free to subscribe to us on the podcasting platform of your choice and give us a rating and review. We drop new episodes every single Wednesday, and honestly, ratings, reviews, and subscriptions really do help me and the podcast out in this weird podcasting algorithm space. Raises up our stock and gets us out and into the orbit of listeners just like you. And if you give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, whatever you want to call it, I will read your review here live on the podcast. You can write literally anything you want. I will be forced to read every single word. As long as you give me those five stars, the sky's the limit on what you can write. And you'll be able to join the likes of our fantastic 14, including Seafire ND, Josh Repails to Pixels, Matt Draper, Burrito Man 88, Doug from For Every Kind of Geek, Don Swanson, That Guy Brian, Mouth Dork, Dallas Meeks, Amazing Spider Fan, Alok and AZ, Sass, Jedi Jesse 20, and Ken4656. Want to say a huge thank you to the, all these fine folks for their reviews, and I cannot wait to hear yours. If you want to be part of the Geeksplain mailbag, send your emails to geeksplain at gmail.com, put mailbag in the subject header and I will read it here on the Wednesday show. If you want to keep up to date with the podcast, participate in polls that decide future episodes, get first announcements for all the things that are happening, or maybe just want to shoot the shit with me on the latest geeky news, feel free to follow us on Instagram and Twitter for as long as Twitter is going to be around for at GeeksplainedPod. That's at GeeksplainedPod. Finally, every single Friday, I, alongside my fellow Caped Crusaders, are going through every single issue of every single volume of Grant Morrison's Batman as part of the Geeksplained Book Club. This week, we are covering The Return of Bruce Wayne, issues one through six of that miniseries, as well as Batman number 700. Uh, It's been a wonderful time going through the Grant Morrison Batman run. Their run is iconic for a reason, and we have been loving our trip through it. So if you want to join up with us, we drop new book club sessions every single Friday. Catch up on this current season. We've got two previous seasons uh, as well, covering different series and join us on Friday. Gotham Fridays are a real thing, so be there or be square, not a circle. And that is going to do it for this week. Kicking off Volume 6 of the podcast. It's still kind of crazy to me that we are in our sixth year of the podcast. I just, I don't know where the time went. But I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you enjoyed talking about a lot of comics this week. Um, I It might be the most comics that I've talked about in a single episode. So we're going to be doing things real big for this volume. Uh, let me know what comics you are interested in. If I missed any comics, if there are comics you sh- you think I should be picking up, uh, definitely let me know. Send me emails, geeksplain at gmail.com. Hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at geeksplainpod. Would love to hear from you. Uh, as I may or may not have stated, maybe or not, you know, it's been a long episode. Uh, this is not like the end-all be-all of comics that you should read. Go to your local comic book shop. Talk to the people who work there. Ask them what's good. They will they usually have their finger on the pulse for these kind of things. Uh, if you're in the LA area, would definitely recommend House of Secrets. Uh, Paul and Leland are incredible. They're wonderful. They run the shop. I've been going there for years, and they are always, always, always right on the money with recommending books. Cannot sing their praises enough. But even if you're not in the LA area, just go check out your local comic book shop. I'm sure they are run by wonderful people who would love to recommend you comics to read. This is just a small sample size that I really enjoy. But I I just, I think that more people should 
take the trip because you might be just one short drive away from finding the comic that you will love for the rest of your life. But that is going to do it for me. I'm going to wrap things up here for our inaugural episode of Volume 6. Volume 6 is going to be really fun. I've got a lot of really fun stuff planned, and I can't wait to share that with you. But turning our attention to next week, next Wednesday, to celebrate the release of Guardians of the Galaxy number one, one of my most anticipated comics that have not released least yet written by the hive mind art by kev walker we are going to be counting down the best guardians of the galaxy comics for new readers are you someone who's been really loving the guardians movies are you someone who absolutely adored the guardians of the galaxy video game are you somebody who's just been wanting to read some really great comics well next week's episode is for you i'm going to be counting down what in my opinion are the best comics for new readers when it comes to the Guardians of the Galaxy. So stay tuned for that next week. Same geek time, same geek channel. But for now, for the Geek Explained podcast, I've been Eric Azana. Thank you so much for listening. Stay safe, and we will see you next time.